0: Paradigm shift and radio reversal have existed for a long time in analog technologies mm. of radio waves, but we're branching out into the internet now because it's the times we're living in, right? 2023. <laughs> um, <laughs> the world's
1: online,
2: right? And you just <laughs> discovered the internet last week. <laughs> <laughs> right. Mutual, mutual, ra-la.
1: mutual, mutual, ra-la-la. This is the mutual broadcasting system.
3: another Radio Reversal podcast episode and we are recording this on the unceded lands of the Turrbal, Yagara, Jagara, Ugarabal and Quandamooka peoples and pay our respects to elders past and present and to all First Nations communities across the country recognising that sovereignty over these lands has never been ceded and will never be ceded and that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities have been resisting, refusing and disrupting colonialism since 1788. We are in solidarity with land. And back. Welcome to
4: episode three, three I'm not sure exactly how we'll badge <laughs> it, but the third and final part of our introductory series, welcoming you and putting up some framing around the Radio Reversal podcast. I'm Nat, I'm here with Han today, and we just wanted to talk to you a little bit about the recordings you're about to hear, which are, uh, just like in episode 2, recordings from the podcast launch event we had on Sunday,
3: Han. What was your what was your feeling about the the event, the launch? How'd it go for you? Oh, it was so great. We had such an amazing crowd of people there to see us. Um, I was having a bit of a rough health day uh, mm. and kind of like put myself in the muso corner, and that was that was really great. That because we have such a great team and mm. an awesome group of people that I was able to you know just make a bit of sound and and not have to worry about the running of things or um, uh, yeah, so it was. It's really nice that we got to share the load in that way, but also that um, yeah, we had such an amazing group of listeners that turned oh. up. That really, it felt amazing to to do that in person. I think Andy said, and you might hear uh, in some of the recordings. Mm so often with radio we're we're just kind of trusting that the audience is there that there's people listening and participating in that way um and this was there was no trust needed we really we really got to see and feel the love from our community so that was just such a special thing for me um also Matthew and Jodie Ruddle together with me is It's Science and Feelings our little our little band (laughs) and we made some really fun like house band kind of was so like great. inserts into the conversation <laughs> and you know that's something we love to do so that was that was a really fun component for me as well what yeah. about for you uh
4: yeah look I was so I think I, I just felt really touched by the turnout by the incredible support for Radio Reversal and Paradigm Shift and Four Triple Z in general and Community Radio in general um to have all these people turn out on a Sunday afternoon when again there was like so much happening in Mianjin um, it was a big weekend and it was really yeah. big, um, and to have people turn up in person and be such generous and excited listeners and contributors to the space. And, you know, people just pitching in and helping out, um, as is often the case at community events, it just felt really, really special. I felt really, yeah, just really touched and kind of held, really did foreground for me the community part of community media making, which from behind the broadcast desk is, is not always immediately apparent. I didn't do an amazing job at signing people up to our Substack, but if you're listening to this, you might be one of those amazing people who signed up to the Substack at that event. So thank you very much for that. Today, we for this second part, we tried to sort of thematically group up our recording of the event. And so today, uh, we'll be playing through some performances by the wonderful, incredible Phil Monsoor, uh Andy Payne, uh, producer of The Paradigm Shift, and poetry performances by Lamis Hamuda. as well as we'll play through a bit of a chat that occurred between Lamis, Jono Sri Ranganathan and Andy around politics and poetry and music making and how these things tie together or are in tension with each other and what the point of all of this is. Mm, And creative
3: engagement with politics and political engagement with creativity. uh, Yeah, the kind of entanglement and different approaches that that invites Mm. both from people making and people co-creating by... I guess uh, listening or reading or otherwise engaging with these works and that mm. that was pretty it was a pretty special discussion to be present for. I mean also yeah. I think it's probably been said but we can't say enough just how incredible it was to have such such a lineup of amazing Mianjin I mean, creators, thinkers, makers, speakers at this event like it was it was kind of overwhelming and like in the best possible way. <laughs> yeah, I,
4: yeah, absolutely. I felt totally overwhelmed by the yeah the stardom of people willing to volunteer their time to have a little chat with us about our radio shows and our podcast projects, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's really moving. But Hannah, I wanted to ask you, as someone who does a lot of thinking about this, tell us a bit about... I, I wanted to dr- draw you out particularly on this idea of companion thinking, which I know is a framework that you've used a lot to Think through the kinds of ecologies and communities in which creative thinking and art making happens. Can mm. you tell us what companion thinking is and how we might be able to think about both um, the recordings we're about to hear as well as maybe this podcast project more generally through the lens of companion
3: thinking? Mm. Companion thinking was kind of, I mean, a weirdly framed. It was kind of my argument for not having a proper methodology when I was doing my doctoral thesis. Why? Yep, yeah. yeah. And it it came from uh, the idea of Pakistani-Australian scholar and thinker Sarah Ahmed's concept and term of uh, companion texts. And I want to read you a little quote Mm -hmm. from Ahmed because she really, you know, she goes into a, a deep way about how those texts, you know, we work with them to go deeper into our chosen subjects, whether or not those texts initially, like, refer specifically to those subjects. So, a companion text is one whose company might spark a moment of revelation in the midst of an overwhelming proximity. They might share a feeling or give you resources to make sense of something that had been beyond your grasp companion texts can prompt you to hesitate or to question the direction in which you are going or they might give you a sense that in going the way you are going you are not alone. That's end quote. Um, Mm. uh, It's from Living a Feminist Life if you're interested in reading more from Sarah Ahmed about that in particular. And then this this concept for me really struck me as a way that I love to create with others and to think with others mm-hmm. um, it's it's a way of kind of I mean in our first podcast episode, we talked a fair bit about pedagogy uh, and like learning in public and kind of fumbling through and I think the kind of idea of companion thinking for me is is another way of of approaching that those kinds of possibilities mm. in particular uh, this kind of idea of companion thinking i've then developed further with my amazing companion thinker colleague mm-hmm. and bestie <laughs> Jody Ruddle together we wrote a paper about companion thinking this kind of thinking in company the emergent active process ongoing process mm-hmm. of like opening to the potentials of co-creating ideas or like uh, co engaging with ideas and the kind of relationships that are at play it's a kind of way of approaching a relationality and for us this kind of idea of company it it consists of a variety of perspectives it's um like different versions of yourself Mm -hmm. like you can kind of be a companion to yourself and I think for those of us who are a little bit (laughs) self-punishing it's a way of kind of approaching like a bit of a softening towards the self, and mm. like treating oneself a bit more like a friend. You know, we're all in therapy for this. We <laughs> don't need to, <laughs> don't need to skirt around it too much. Um, as well as like taking seriously the companionship of space, place, mm. um, environment, even time mm. <laughs> in a, in as slippery as that k- term is. Um, it's, a, it's a term that for us crosses the like human, non-human, other than human, more than human possibilities. It's um, all of that at once. It's no longer about differentiating the bounds of like human individual and labelling subjectivity and objectivity. It's embracing shared environments and making a commitment to companionship. It's mm. a flexible process of unfolding, um, but it's about actively contributing to the dynamic between ourselves and our companions so this kind of active contribution is the I guess the part in which um, you know a lot of philosophy would locate subjectivity or the will Mm. Um, but it's it's I, I think of it also through a lens of Octavia Butler's uh, idea of shaping change. Mm. In, I mean, is it Octavia Butler or is it uh, Earthseed? And <laughs> like, it's, some of that feels very channeled in a way. Uh, mm. But yeah, in Octavia Butler's books, the Parable of the Sower and the Parable of the Talents, mm. this this idea of attending to changes as they're occurring and attending to those relationships as mm. they're occurring and like noticing where you do have um, the potential to actively participate in that
4: yeah, yeah I
3: think that what among the many
4: things that that makes me think about um, I guess for, in terms of thinking about uh, public pedagogy and learning collectively and learning out loud what that makes me think about is how um, I guess the, the how it challenges notions of knowing that reside in the individual kind of master of knowledge right Mm. to um, you know to to borrow from Julietta Singh's wonderful framing around, around the importance of resisting mastery because what it does is it turns our attention not to the idea that there's like a genius soul person who holds knowledge and transmits it to us but instead that what we should do is attend to the kind of communities and spaces through which learning is made possible and hmm. through which the sharing of, of knowledge and stories and understandings becomes more possible. And once that happens, and this is definitely something that has been a big theme for me through throughout Radio Radioversal as well as throughout um, my time with the Brisbane Free University, is... That learning that happens in those spaces is then held collectively. It doesn't become, and nor should it become, a kind of possession or attributed to any one person. Absolutely. it's yep. something that is um, belongs to the kind of ecology from which it emerged. And learning to respect that, um, to care for that
3: ecology, to yeah. acknowledge it properly, and not really in the crucial. kind of like I guess there's sort of been efforts by artists in particular to, to you know bring on the death of the author and have mm. like collective authorship, but that. Can still end up erasing where thoughts like Absolutely. are coming from, and instead, I think this is more of this is more to do with citation practices mm. and, and feminist citation politics, and and really like acknowledging how many different actors there are, oh, yeah. <laughs> and like how entangled you are as you are coming to thoughts. So Absolutely,
4: yeah. and I think I think that's a really important point as well, right? That we still need to be accountable, yes, uh, for the thoughts and the learnings that we're sharing, and accountable for again the the spaces in which they occur, acknowledging. Um, who they're including, what they're including, um, who and what might be being excluded from those spaces, and how that in turn shapes what kinds of thinking is possible. Um, yeah, love companion thinking, and I loved I loved watching um, you know not being an, an artist or performer myself. I feel like I I just get so much joy watching It's Science and Feelings, watching you and, and Matt and Jody in this kind of playful. Muddling um, through, yes. yeah, <laughs> muddling through, just always like always kind of responding to each other, making space for each other to 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 get louder, to get quieter. To it's just it's so um, there's an intimacy to it that mm-hmm. I think for me really does reflect the the kind of vulnerability that really hard learning, especially in political
3: um, contexts, demands of us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and I think yeah, it's science and feelings. I mean, the name itself grew out of. Jodie and I using that as a refrain to comfort one another through some particularly rough parts of our lives. Um, you know, why is this happening? Why why am I suffering in this way? You know, and, and kind of going, well, you know, there's like... Um, nervous system blah de, blah there's mm-hmm. all of these there's all of these scientific facts and then it's also just like it's feelings it's like it's inexplicable <laughs> it's a bit like and, and that's, a, that's a little bit the kind of approach that we have to making music in this way it's like we've had so much training collectively and individually uh, and you know have come in various degrees of like being recognised as like masterful musicians mm. and it's, it's about kind of like undoing that like it's about surprising ourselves as much as anyone else. <laughs> so there's something so fun about it because it's really, it feels so personal and it mm. feels like it's really, um, yeah, we're, we're really just kind of exploring and feeling things out. Um, but getting to do that publicly and, and that's something actually you'll hear in the discussion between Jono and Lamise and Andy mm. where they talk about the kind of public pressure of particularly social media to, mm. to come up with this like finished polished product which coming from a... Eurocentric classical music training background and imperial, colonial, institutionalised musicking background, that's something that I feel like I've been grappling since before social media, like mm. that kind of like pressure to, to do all of the working it out in private and then to only show the polished, finished mm. thing in public. Uh, and that has never worked for me. No matter how much work I do in private, the, the public performance always <laughs> is strewn with error which is like as I've um, gotten older and kind of like am much kinder to myself (laughs) I'm like oh it's like neurodiversity and it's it's capacity and it's there's a whole lot of factors playing into that Mm. and maybe it's also like an attentiveness to moments that in ways that I can't quite track with my brain um, and things like this that that really made me ill-suited to that kind of perfectionism. And it's science and feelings is, is a way that I get to fuddle through. Uh, and I also, and radio is another way, like these <laughs> these kinds of things where I'm just having to do it in the moment and I have mm. to let go a little bit. A really important spaces is for me personally to be able to free myself of that particular like self-applied but like well-entrained and internalised trap of mm. the pressure to create something that is final, that is finished, that is... Uh, ready for consumption, a product, you know. So those those are the kinds of things that that come up for me in in this thinking. And I was so thrilled to hear uh, the way that that was discussed on, yeah. on Sunday, also.
4: Yeah, and I think the other big takeaway for me from that um, that talk, as well as the event more generally, is that we need to attend to the things that sustain us in life and sustain us in the struggle, you know, and that we are often grappling with really heavy, hard things and um, in these fights on different lines in different ways um, for a more liberated and just world, um, and that means spending a lot of time confronting violence, um, confronting our own complicities in these things, coming to terms with that, figuring out how to be otherwise and so many different sides of struggle. And it can also be really hard, I think, in that space. I know it's a big issue for me to find the time or space or permission to find moments of joy mm. and love and connection and playfulness. Um, but those are, those things are so important. And finding them also in these political spaces, right, not quarantining them out, but... but also seeing them as part of the connective tissue that can help us sustain our movements and mm. sustain our communities of, of struggle and practice um, is really important and I think you know being able to not not always rush to instrumentalize everything like I think I think there is a purpose to poetry I think there is a purpose to music but also I think it is fine if there isn't sometimes you know if, if what's happening is where is enjoyment and collective enjoyment coming together mm. Um yeah those this, things are beautiful too.
3: This is also reminding me like joy isn't uh, I, I really have felt my understanding of joy as an affect uh, shaped recently in in big ways by the book Joyful Militancy, Building mm-hmm. Thriving Resistance in Toxic Times uh, which is by Carla Bergman and Nick Montgomery but draws on the thinking and has interviews with a real community of, of thinkers uh, including Leanne Samasaki mm-hmm. simpson and many others, Silvia Federici mm-hmm. it's, it's wow. quite a big mm-hmm. community of thinkers that they draw upon but they're, they're kind of following what they call a Spinozan current <laughs> um, and thinking of joy in terms of an affect that allows you to kind of continue, that allows, Mm -hmm. that kind of like helps with drawing things forward and drawing things in um, particular ways. But that I think something I've learned a lot through doing things with the Institute for Collaborative Race Research Mm and uh, thinking with that group is, is spite- (laughs) <laughs> it can be a joyful affect Absolutely. it really yeah there's there's all kinds of things that are joyful affects that aren't simply just this kind of like idea of happiness or of like in a warm fuzzy glow yeah uh, but there's these these kinds of things that coming together in community like for mm. this podcast launch uh, that really you know that's so important for continuing that those moments Absolutely. of joy aren't just about like enjoying ourselves in that particular way but they really do give us Like, they fuel us in ways that allow us us. to continue. Yeah, they sustain us. They nourish.
4: This is also reminding me of the work of crypt theorist Leah Lakshmi Piepzna-Samarasinha, who writes about um, so much about the communities that sustain disabled people at the bodily level and how that then also is intimately linked to the ways that they are sustained in struggle and how they work collectively towards the liberation of all disabled people and all oppressed peoples more generally and I think again that joyful relation to bodies place in each other is a really important part of, of this political praxis and so yeah and so just yeah still, still riding that buzz and that gratitude um, and huge thanks to everyone who came out and supported us on Sunday to the wonderful performers and contributors and speakers, to everyone who just pitched in and set up chairs and packed things away and um, everyone who came along and gave us their listening ears and open hearts, it means absolutely everything.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I think this means we're going to jump in with the inimitable
6: Phil Monsoor.
2: (laughs) You! (laughs) You!
6: Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks again for the invitation to be part of this here today. I'd like to acknowledge also that we are on sovereign lands of the First Nations people and that their resistance continues. Um, Listening to, uh, it's mostly Jonathan that does this to me in terms of reflecting on being a little brown kid in the suburbs. And... um, I think of that because the power of 4 triple Z is and was that this little brown boy who wanted to play the guitar and sing could somehow get heard on the radio. And you don't know the power of that to be, you know, sort of 19, 20 years old and sitting in your car and suddenly you hear yourself on the radio and you think, oh, well, something is possible, so... Um, 4 ed has been a long part of that journey for me and I've never quite made it to the even to the mainstream of 4 Ed, but uh, there's enough space around the edges there for someone like me to, um, to um, exist and to be encouraged. But uh, I've got a new song that might suit a day like this. It's, uh, my family uh, came here from what's now called Lebanon, my father came as a Syrian, on a Syrian passport, uh, and I uh, have a lot of family left in um, that part of the world. A couple of years ago, uh, there was a, another uprising in Lebanon and they um, they had a phrase that was, all of them means all of them. It was about the fact that uh, we don't just want change, we really have to just... <laughs> burn the system to the ground and rebuild it um, in the image of something better. Anyway, so I'm going to have a little bit of a go at this. I might test myself. So if I get a few of the words in a little knot and I forget a few of the chords, please forgive me. Um, Yeah. So thanks again to uh, podcast people. I hope hope we hear a future of interesting things. I'm actually at work when the radio show's on, so... The podcast will mean that I can listen to, which is uh, a good thing.
1: Money's their God and profit their religion. They bought our silence with debts and delusion. If we're asleep, we were only pretending. Today we survive and tomorrow we're fired. And they claim from their mansions that we're in this together. History has taught us we should have known better. If we're asleep, we were only pretending. Today we survive, and tomorrow we fight. We rise, we rise, push the scales from their eyes. And all of them means all of them. Claim the new day that must come There's money for killing but not for the living Our only value is if we enrich them If we are afraid we were only pretending Today we survive and tomorrow we fight And we rise, we rise Push the scales from our eyes All of them means all of them claim the new day that must come. The sky is broken, when enough is enough. We rise like a tide, standing side by side, when the lion awaits. The storm has arrived and the vultures descended Let us no faith in the future they're stealing If we were afraid, well now we're determined Today we survive and tomorrow we fight To re the world in the image of freedom Share the land and respect all the dreaming. If we were afraid, well now we're determined. Today we survive and tomorrow we fight. And we rise, we rise Push the scales from our eyes. And all of them means all of them. So, originally in Arabic,
6: but we're going to do this together, because this is sort of live radio. See, you thought that every time you were listening to the radio, and they pushed a button, it was just a tape, and there's actually these people sitting in the studio there. It's magic, isn't it? Anyway, so here we are. All
1: of them all 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 of, all, of all of them means all of them. All of them means all of them. And all of them means all of them. Claim the new day that must come. Thank you.
5: fantastic was that and if you ever wondered what we do when music is playing we're essentially
3: singing along sometimes frantically deciding what we're going to say next and a lot of it is snacks and water and chit-chatting more um thank you phil that was amazing that was phil mansoor this is the launch party so welcome everyone and i'm going to hand it over to andy
0: thank you um, it's so nice to uh, have everybody here. One of the things about radio is that you have to assume that people out there are listening. Um, it's so nice to have people here in the room. Um, so to know n- um, community radio, right? It's about community, um, about a group of people, and so it's great to have you all. And um, I don't normally get to play my own songs on the radio for um, reasons of social etiquette, um, and so it's nice to be able to play be the the music as well. All right. This song's about um, uh, not waiting for the world to get better, but um, finding the magical three letters that are of empowerment. turned on the radio, opened a mag- Oh, what's the chords again. I turned on the radio, opened a magazine Went through channels on my TV, it did nothing for me Just vacuous rock stars, dull celebrities Hollywood fantasy, fake reality But the stories relevant to our lives Are the ones they never tell If you want something done right, sometimes you just gotta do it yourself. DIY! I picked up my guitar, started singing a few notes. And others doing the same, decided to put on a show Our lounge room was a stage, our friends were the crowd Promotion was the posters we put up around the town No one ever came up to me Offering fame and fortune The options, as far as I could see Were to sit around doing nothing Or DIY! sang a lot of songs since then Played a lot of gigs Wrote down my best ideas in photocopy zines I've met a lot of people Travelled around right the land The best songs I ever heard Were the ones sung by my friends But you know the music and I, I really only the start Another world is possible But no one's gonna do it for us C I Y. C
1: I
2: Y. Thank you. I'm
0: going to play uh, one more song, but before I do, I'll do what Jono did and I'll give a shout out to my amazing wife, Beck. <laughs> who, um, who has been screen printing all the Paradigm Shift t-shirts, which many of you are already sporting. I've got one here myself too. And um, who also created the logo um, for the Paradigm Shift. Yeah, has been an incredible support in um, listening, offering feedback and encouragement and putting up with the time I spend making the Paradigm Shift. And also being part of trying to put the ideas into practice, you know, the, and, and living it out, living out the politics every day. So thanks, Beck, for everything. And I'm going to play a, a new song like Phil. so I hope you like it. Here's a shock. This one's about trying to change the world. <laughs> and gambling. I don't bet on horse racing, don't watch the Melbourne Cup. I don't care much for fancy dress or horses getting shot And I don't, I like watching sport but I don't place multi-bets Cause it's how you play that counts, not who wins and who loses And I don't fancy a flutter on the pokey machines Cause they're just, just the rich stealing from the poor Preying on addiction Let's play for real, let's raise the stakes All we have to lose are our chains Let's take a chance, let's roll the dice Could we make this world a better place if we tried? I don't buy lot of tickets because I don't want to be a millionaire We'd all have everything we need if we could just learn to share And I don't go to casinos, don't find them glamorous Tax dodging, money laundering, crooks bribing the government And I don't play poker because showing emotion's okay And I don't buy shares in the stock market because I want capitalism to fail let's play for real, let's raise the stakes All we have to lose are our chains Let's take a chance, let's roll the dice Could we make this world a better place if we tried? We cross now live to the race for planet Earth. It's a hotly contested field and the stakes are high. Bookie's favorite is the status quo. It's got a lot of money behind it. Also expected to perform strongly. Uh, apathy and corporate greed. In with an outside chance, our imagination and people power. And as they say folks, it's not over until the race is run. They're entering the stalls now. And they're off. Corporate greed got away very strongly. Apathy staying with the pack. The hot status quo is holding steady. Imagination's looming just out of view. People power seems to be struggling a bit though. I think there's a disagreement between horser and rider over which direction to run in. <laughs> they're coming up, they're approaching the final turn now. Corporate greed's looking very confident, but it may have used up too many of its energy resources too early in the race. Things are definitely heating up as we approach the final turn. And they're on, on the home stretch now. And it's anybody's race! Let's play for real, let's raise the stakes All we have to lose are our chains Let's take a chance, let's roll the dice Could we make this world a better place if we tried?
5: Andy Payne. Can you believe it? I can't um, overstate how excited I am about the Paradigm Shift podcast being launched. I feel like this incredible back catalogue exists of conversations with activists from across, uh, across so-called Australia, and it's just so exciting, the work that you're doing, Andy, and I'm, I'm so thrilled that uh, Andy asked Radio Reversal to launch our podcast together. It um, feels like a big honour. I'm also very excited for our next performer, Lamis Hamouda, our dear friend and an absolutely extraordinary poet and writer, has agreed to come and do uh, a little bit of poetry for us. Um, Lamees is a youth worker, a writer, uh, and with her dad, Hazm this year published a book called The Shape of Dust, which you should definitely get your hands on if you can. The one and only Lamis
7: Hamouda. <laughs> Hello everyone. Sorry, I was outside gas bagging and um, yeah. Okay, cool. Now I'm here. I just need a moment to actually arrive. (laughs) But it's so wonderful seeing you all here today. Um, So excited for Anna and the team for the launch of this podcast. I get to sometimes show up on Radio Reversal as a guest and it's always a really great time. Particularly chatting with Anna, she's always so insightful, um, and the whole team—Han and Shreya and Nat—they're all really, really amazing, wonderful people. So it's so nice to see so many people in support of their work and what they're trying to now do with this podcast. I'm going to be first sharing a poem by interdisciplinary artist and writer Grada Kilomba. Um, if you're not familiar with her work, she's a a Portuguese artist and writer. She works across race, post-colonialism, gender, literature, and and theater. Her work's been quite revolutionary within Portugal. I first came across her work in Portugal, actually, um, and I thought this very simple poem of hers kind of suits what the vibe of all this is. I don't know if I have the word for it. But I will be accompanied by Han on the flute. This so it's going to be really cool. When they speak, it is scientific. When we speak, it is unscientific. When they speak, it is universal. When we speak, it is specific. When they speak, it is objective. When we speak, it is subjective. When they speak, it is neutral. When we speak, it is personal. When they speak, it is rational. When we speak, it is emotional. When they speak, it is impartial. When we speak, it is partial. They have statistics. We have stories. They have authorship. We have testimony. They have facts. We have opinions. They have knowledge. And we have experiences. We are not dealing here with a peaceful coexistence of words, but with a violent hierarchy which defines who can speak and who can produce knowledge. Thank you. That's the kind of poem that you always wish you were the one who wrote. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just think it really speaks to the kind of work that Radio Reversal tries to do, Paradigm Shift, Community Radio, is that assertion of authorship over our own lives, that assertion of authorship over our truths, the ability to speak clearly, to not be moderated or marginalised or diminished or undermined, you know, to stand in the facts of our lives. And I think that's really powerful to have those spaces. And so that's why I'm so grateful through these spaces and so grateful that moving up here to Mianjin came with finding these spaces too. So this next poem involves a costume, (laughs) which I will prepare very professionally by putting it on the floor. (laughs) Uh, I, wrote, I first wrote this poem in 2017, um, so a while ago now, and it was in response to some funding that had been announced for mosques to uh, increase their securitization. You know, fences, security, cameras, all of that kind of thing. Um, and this policy was met with a lot of enthusiasm from the community that I grew up in which I thought was so weird because we'd spent so many years fighting against cameras and securitization being in our houses of worship. I revisited this poem recently and revived it, changed it a bit to suit current times, but I still think the anger at the heart of it, the injustice at the heart of it, still rings true today and still rings true for many issues that we face beyond my specific experience within the Muslim community, but within that specific experience is also universal understanding. (sighs) Okay, just shaking out the adrenaline, you know. (sighs) They called them hotbeds of extremism, put eyes in our mosques for their protection, put eyes in our mosques for our protection, from the right-wing terrorists that they spent years breeding, and we accepted. $55 million in funding for securitization, no community consultation, never a chance to say, I don't want your CCTV state deception. I want healthcare and education. I don't want security in high fences or cameras. I want security in human connection. How dare you keep inviting the boys in blue over the youth who end up in their prisons? Tired of you denying that this isn't a state of structural racism, telling me to play by the rules and have faith in the tools of oppression because there's no more war on terror in the COVID age of post 9-11. Now we laugh at the name Osama bin Laden, what a joke that anyone was ever afraid of him. But I haven't forgotten. Politicians gambling on our lives for elections, the assimilation politics of government-funded Muslim leadership programs. Sorry, I've said too much, you'll probably think I'm a bit of a nut. So I'm going to pass the mic to people's, usually their favourite guest speaker, a so-called political leader. <laughs> Hello everybody, here are you going today? It's really wonderful you've invited me to your event tonight. I'd just like to give a shout-out to the organisers. I'm here to announce the launch of a program for your great benefit. It's very important that you learn that we get to dictate who gets to fit into this country and how. So we're watching you online, at school and in your houses of worship, We're very proud of the years of patience it's taken to receive this welcome. So, have a great night. And as my mate Moe taught me, assalamu alaikum. (laughs) with all we could do, with the billions spent on invasions, prison expansions, and private profiteering, policies that profit no one except those who conceived it. It's little wonder people turn to the call of a paradise dreaming, deadly searches for meaning and life lived as collateral, damage, dying for fictions, all because the nation state is the myth we're forced to believe in. So take back your funding and phony securitization, your floundering platitudes. I've seen the depths of the nightmare you've created. The emperor wears no clothes and neither do his prisons. So hold tight to your CCTV footage, parliaments and drones, your militaries, cops and walls. With all of this, you think you're the ones in control. But we are the ones emboldened by visions, more powerful than your petty guns could ever believe in. You think you're the full stop but you're not even a footnote. Trillions of years have passed and you think this is it? This moment in time, this speck called your life? No, that's too short-sighted. It's we who are watching. It's we who are waiting. The seed is dormant before germination and we are patient across generations. Thank you.
5: wonderful Lamise Hamouda. (laughs) I'm also incredibly excited that um, Lamise and Jonathan Arthur are going to jump up to have a quick conversation with us um, kind of thematically linked to Lamise's performance on the importance of DIY art spaces and the value of creating spaces for um, artists to test out new work and the ways
0: that community media can be that. So, uh, Jono and Lenise. Um, so, uh, one of the things that Paradigm Shift and Radio Reversal have both done, and 4 Zed very much, is supporting uh, local arts as well as local politics, and that's been one of the main virtues of our community media. And um, it's very great to have several artists here practitioners, Um, and so I guess sometimes in radio we have this dichotomy between like the music side of it and the like politics side of it, Um, but you are both people who mix activism and art and so I guess um, the first question is what's the value of art or poetry in trying to make social change?
7: You know I really resonated before when Kevin was talking about wanting to play in a lot of different spaces. And for me, poetry is another place in which I play in and in which I get to explore ideas and communicate ideas and connect with people. And I think activism doesn't always have to be something really tough. It can also be artistic. It can also be playful. It can also um, just, yeah, be different ways of exploring ideas. And poetry gives that to me.
2: Yeah, and I think we forget sometimes that um, even for activists who have, like, this strong intellectual understanding of why we're doing the rally or the community organizing thing or whatever it is, Um, soul and emotion still matter. Like people do need to be inspired or like provoked emotionally in some way and to feel like, yeah, to connect at that level. And so, yeah, whether it's music or, or poetry or whatever the form is, but I particularly like poetry because it's such a it really forces you to be really um, sparse with your words and think deeply about what, what are the core ideas that are really going to resonate on multiple levels and I've, I've had I'm sure we've all had many experiences where you go to an event and there's some very long, very insightful speeches that say a lot of the right things but are hard to connect with and and then you hear a really thoughtful poet stand up and say something that takes, you know, a tenth of the time but really cuts through and, and there's, it's almost a different form of like, speech making or whatever that, yeah, yeah I think means a lot and, and allows people to connect emotionally with an idea even if, whether, whether or not they're connecting intellectually.
7: Yeah.
0: There's a lot
2: of art in the
0: world um, that people consume all the time, right? TV shows, um, mm. you know, art galleries, if you're doing that, music, radio, whatever. Um, there's no, no shortage of, of art, um, but I guess is there, is there a difference between the, the sort of consumption of a product of art and some other way of interacting with art that's not just a, a passive kind of recipient um, being paying money for a mm. product?
2: Yeah, I, and I feel like probably a lot of us have had these conversations where we're like, oh, we want to make sure our artists are paid fairly, so we want to charge entry and and everything sort of valued through this commercial lens. And then on the other hand, we're like, oh no no, but there needs to be ways to value art other than and than through that lens. Um, and yeah, I'm sure you've grappled with that mm. as well, Lamise. I think for me, yes, obviously the answer is yes. There are uh, and and maybe more of us are starting to think about how we can organise events that are more participatory in nature, where it's not just some performers up on stage and then a big audience sitting there passively consuming how can we create events and, and rituals that are inclusive and co-opt more of us into these spaces. Um, yeah, and I like to think some of the events and and forms of music and, and poetry I've created prompt that a little bit more, but it's always easier to just do the thing yourself and perform to an audience. I don't know if you've had mm. a similar experience or...
7: Yeah, I think, um, I think it's really important to just be like, critically reflective and intentional about why you're doing something right and why you're doing that art and what do you what's your goal like what do you what are you hoping to achieve out of that moment so you know if your goal is like a commercial career then sure you're going to think more about the commercial aspects of art making if your goal is community then you're going to function in a different kind of way but I also really want to emphasize that like For so long, art has also just been like a a friendship practice, right? Like, you know, during COVID, um, my friends and I, we used to have, I used to host like a little craft afternoon at my house where, you know, Anna and some others would come over and we'd just sit around and we'd play with clay and talk, you know, but that's art making, right? You know, so I just think, like, taking your mind away from art as a commercial thing um, and thinking about the other ways in which you want to engage with it and also just knowing it it doesn't have to be about career. It's just... You know, there's so many things.
2: Yeah, and I think, I mean, the other sort of implication maybe that could be read into your question, Andy, is like, oh, there's already a lot out of art out there, do we even need more? <laughs> like, uh, and I think most of us would probably agree that there's a lot of value in the local and the specific, and there's, yeah. you know, there's any number of good protest songs out there, but when you hear that protest song about something that happened in your city on the streets, you know, or when you're hearing, like, yeah, wh- wh- whatever the context is, a, a, a song or a poem or a story, about the place that you live or the places that you're connected to, it, it does resonate at a deeper level. And so I think, like, I, yeah, sometimes I was like, oh, is there anything left to write about? I was like, yeah, write about what you know.
0: Um, I mean, Lamisa, you were just talking about, like, having craft noons where people get together and make stuff. And um, I think this is really interesting too because politics is creative, right? Mm-hmm. We're trying to create a new world or we're trying to create a campaign or a Um, something that will resonate with people or some way of communicating. Um, Is there something, like, inherent about art making that we need... Do we need to make the world more creative in order to improve it?
7: Oh, that's such a big question. (laughs) I mean, I would... I would, my initial gut response is to agree. I think, yeah. But I think we also just all have the impulse to be creative and we all have different ways of expressing our creativity. And we're also all, you know constrained in certain ways by just also the demands of you know life under capitalism and all that kind of thing you know where we then have to be kind of strategic about where our creativity gets to go you know and so I think a lot of people within activist spaces are incredibly creative um, because they have imagination you know there there's this ability to think otherwise, to not just take things at face value, but question why and why not and could it be? And all of that is, like, that to me is foundational creativity because creativity to me always starts with curiosity and a question.
2: I think this also makes me think back to that previous question of, like, how particularly in Western art traditions, there is that real emphasis on the individual... Um, and and how that what that does to all of us is kind of reinforces the idea that there are professional crea- creators or expert creators and artists and the rest of us are not those things. And so even, yeah, when we're planning some kind of political action, it's like, oh, can we invite a musician or an artist? Oh, no one's available. Okay, I guess there's just no art to be included in whatever this political thing is. But, like, why why aren't we all singing and doing stuff? At like Yeah, and, and that does seem to be different from activism in other places where it, it's perhaps more common and accepted that, every person will just do something creative or artistic as part of whatever the political movement is without having to have these specialist artists involved. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's a very big conversation. I don't know if we, I've got time to go and do all that.
0: <laughs> now, the paradigm shift and radio reversal have existed for a long time in analog technologies mm. of radio waves, but we're branching out into the internet now because it's the times we're living in, right? 2023. <laughs> Um the world's online right and um I'm interested in you know there's a lot of creation online content creation right? tiktok videos facebook posts whatever and there's a lot of art right spotify is, like immense it's eternal right you just
6: and you just right?
2: discovered the internet last week <laughs> 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 what is
0: this? And how does it all fit inside the computer <laughs> um uh, uh, but, but I guess yeah, um, uh, I'm, trying, I'm trying to highlight something that actually the internet has really changed the way that mm. we relate to art, mm. um, making art and consuming art. Is it a good or bad thing the way it's changing it, or how does it change
2: it? You want to ask How does it change it? I think one thing that does interest me is the, and I don't want this to be misinterpreted as a critique of like, oh, cancel culture, but like artists are being more mindful of the fact that when they put work out there into the world, it's there online forever in some format. And, like, I look back at some of the poems I wrote 10 or 15 years ago and I'm like, oh, that's a bit cringe now. Or I didn't quite use the right vocab or whatever. Um, And I I think that does maybe make artists a little bit more sensitive and thoughtful, which is a good thing. It's like, oh, cool, you're thinking about what you're performing on stage before you do it. But it it perhaps also uh, takes away a little bit from that willingness to be really experimental and a little bit reckless with the impacts of, you know, th- there needs to be a sort of raw edge of, like, I'm going to try this and see what happens. But if you're a little bit worried that someone's going to film that and it's going to be up on YouTube for the next 20 years, like, you are a little bit more. And I've, I've noticed that in myself where I used to be, uh, if I'd get up in an open mic at, at a poetry night or whatever, I'd just perform whatever I'd been writing that day kind of thing. Whereas now I'm like, ah, oh, someone's filming this and like lots of people are going to see this secondarily and out of context. And so I'm, I'm more thoughtful about only wanting to perform the stuff that I feel really certain about. Not, th- not just that it's polished, but that I'm 100% sure. So it's, it's almost like every artistic product now has to be a final, finished thing. And there's perhaps less room for experimentation and play. I don't know if you've had that similar mm. experience. Or...
7: Yeah. I've thought a lot about it. I also really like seeing people's journey, mm. you know? And I I used to cringe over some of the stuff that's on the internet about me from when I was younger, but now I just look at it as like, well, that's part of my journey. I didn't arrive here like this. I didn't, and you know, maybe in 10, 15 years, I'll look back on this version of La Mace on the internet and I'll be like, also oh, cringe, okay. you know? Um, and so I, I think like one of the things that concerns me is, the ways that the self-consciousness and the hyper-awareness of being watched curbs self-expression, genuine self-expression, right? And so like, and that's where it becomes, you fall into content production because you're thinking more about what is wanted rather than, oops, rather than what's internal, right? And what is, what you are being moved by. And like, I think there's always that necessity for like critical self-reflection of like, who am I speaking for? Why am I interested in this? You know, like all of those things, you know, the analysis of power relations and all that kind of thing. But also to like, I feel like the internet is, talks a lot the internet like it's a person. You know, like discourses on the internet talk a lot about vulnerability, but actually social media is violently hostile towards real vulnerability. Because real vulnerability is connection right? It's seeing and being seen, but on the internet, you're only ever seen. And so it's kind of a, for me, it's kind of a narcissistic vulnerability. So I'm really like cautious of that. And I think like, one, you should lean into your iterative process. You should lean into your, your learning journey, but you should, should be very conscious and critical of the mediums that you're engaging with.
2: And what, and what you're picking up on there as well is like the, the loss of context for stuff, mm-hmm. because so much of the art we produce ca- is highly contextual and it really works for a particular community or a particular moment or time or a particular place, um, and someone can disingenuously strip that from its context and and put it up online and be like, oh, look what this bloody artist has said now kind of thing. Uh, and obviously as a politician, I'm also really sensitive to that, right? I'm like, oh, they could take one line of one poem and like spin that and blow it up, um, and I think my response to that now has been to just embrace that and say the really provocative thing and welcome it when they do. But it is, yeah, it is interesting how, as you say, like we're starting to self-censor a little bit more perhaps for the fear of that
0: all right final question what do you think are some things that we can do in our local community in brisbane to support um enable the creation of good and radical art
7: Whew. Uh, Hang out? Do stuff together? (laughs) Don't worry about if it's like cool or whatever, like if you think it's cool and you're enjoying it and it means something and it's connecting, just keep going. Yeah, don't hold yourself back. Yeah,
2: I'd I'd echo that. I think there's been so much um, and particularly it did get harder to organise events during COVID and so now like things you feel like, oh, it has to be perfect and well-planned and really detailed before I can even put on the show or organise the jam night or whatever. But maybe we need to be making more time for those informal creative spaces. And yeah, I mean, there's still lots of jam nights happening, but um, I feel like in the minds of a lot of musicians, there's like, oh, there's the informal jam night and that's here. And then there's the gig and the gig is the important thing. And the jam is just preparation for the gig. And maybe we need to start inverting that a little bit more and making more space for the the spontaneous and the improvisational and, yeah, the, the unfinished and the imperfect and, and start valuing that a little bit more. So but for people who are trying to be like, oh, what can we do and what can we inject into these scenes to keep them flourishing and, and vibrant and, and cutting edge and all that sort of stuff, it's just like create more spaces where people jam and, and people write poetry together or or just people come together and like splash paint around for a couple of hours without thinking too much about the exhibition at the end of it all right. yeah all right Thanks
0: very much Jono and Lamise and also 4ZZZ, your local community radio station it does a lot of supporting of local music and arts and things like that and so I do recommend you uh, tune into it
2: You uh, were trying to give us the prompt to say that <laughs>
7: You <were> like, <laughs> I hope they say
2: 4 Z's great and we didn't take it at all No, I
7: did not <laughs> pick that one Andy wanted us to say
2: yes <laughs> no, Support your funny.
7: local community yeah. podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> great,
2: great idea Lamise <laughs> yeah. Thanks Andy
0: We're going to hear a song.
3: Recordings from our radio reversal and paradigm shift podcast launch event that took place on Saturday, the 24th of September 2023. And a huge thank you to everybody involved. The music you're listening to right now is by It's Science and Feelings, uh, which is Matt shu Jody Ruddle, and me, Han Smith. You also heard from such an amazing collection of thinkers and speakers. At the beginning, Nat and I were having a conversation in the 4 Triple Z studios after doing our still-live-to-air radio reversal show on Thursday mornings. You also heard from other radio reversers, Shreya Singh and Anna Carlson, as well as Andy Payne from The Paradigm Shift. We had music and poetry performances from local Mazeballs artists, <laughs> uh, Phil Monsoor, Andy Payne and Lamis Hamuda, and then an extended discussion between Andy, Lamise and Jono Sri Ranganathan about the importance of poetry and art making and music making in thinking politically, locally and located on and in the land and community from which this making takes place co-constituted and implicated companion thinking. This is the last of our opening series for the Radio Reversal podcast in which we've interrogated our kind of learning together, learning in public. And we're going to be launching into another mini-series to follow this up. It's based on Raffaella Rosella's You'll Know It When You Feel It exhibition that took place at the Institute of Modern Art. So stay tuned next week. (music)